This episode is brought to you by Objective Outcomes. If you're tired of fad diets, yo-yo dieting, and quick fixes that don't last, you should start a sustainable, behavior-based personal training that is primed for lifelong changes to promote a healthier lifestyle. You can find us at ObjectiveOutcomesABA.com. Also, if you are seeking remote supervision and interested in the application of ABA in health, sports, and fitness, we offer supervision for unrestricted hours, monthly group supervision where you can meet others on the same track as you. You can find more at ObjectiveOutcomesABA.com. This is an ABA podcast with two BAs and And no no BS. This is two BAs on a pod. Okay, good morning, Ashley. Good morning. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little bit tired. I slept five hours better than last time, like three hours, so (laughs) I'm doing okay. I I woke up on my own, though, so I'm happy about that. Like, I didn't, I wasn't, like, racing out of bed with the alarm. Um, right. But I'm drinking my coffee, so I'm good. So should we just get into our EOAO? Yeah, sure. Let's get into it. You want to go first? Sure. Okay, so my my establishing operation this week, Um, I have a couple. So my son's birthday is coming up. I cannot believe he's turning four. Um, I know it's so crazy because I it's just so crazy because he used to be like a little baby like a little like blob and it's like he's talking <laughs> and he's just like so independent he wants to do everything by himself now Um, so we're gonna go to Legoland on his birthday which is next Monday Cute. so I think that's gonna that's been like motivating me to like get through the week it's gonna continue motivating me until um, we get till Monday and then right. um, also last week I had a couple of opportunities that I've been hoping to already happen. So after I passed the BCBA exam, I got hired with an agency um, to do just assessments. So I don't know what happened at first. Um, They said they were going through changes. There was no staff. They weren't doing assessments anymore because they didn't have enough RBTs to fill the, um, like, once the assessments finished, like, they didn't have RBTs to fill the caseload. Right. So, right. like, they they set me up with an email. They gave me um, a laptop, a badge, but I really didn't work for them. So, finally, right. I just, like, called them. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Like, I'm, I'm ready to take <laughs> on assessments. And they finally scheduled me for that this month. So, I really hope I can start co- being contracted with this agency. Um, right. And then, also, I'm going to be – I'm going to start teaching at National University. So, so I'm really – I know. I'm just really excited to start doing these other like side gigs that I feel like will give me a lot more flexibility and um, get me out of my clinical director role, which is like the reason why I want to get it out of that role is like dealing with like scheduling parents, managing a team, a caseload like that is really time consuming. It's a lot. And it's like it is. It is flexible in the fact, like, I can make my own schedule. If there's cancellations happen, I can kind of look in my caseload and see who else I can support or what work I can do. So it is flexible, but it's not flexible enough. Like, I still have to be at people's homes at certain times. And it's, like, dealing with a large caseload, you have to deal with a lot of different people on the team. And that 
is time consuming because you got to get to know your staff. You got to get to know what right. their needs are and support them uh, in different ways. Some of them are brand new to the field. So I really want to get it out of that role so I can focus on like this, like the things that I really love, like the podcast, right. doing my supervision. I really want to finish this curriculum that I'm creating with Mallory, um, my own business. So I have like a lot of other things that I want to focus on, but it's getting, it's taking me away when I'm like focusing on my clinical director role. So I'm really excited about that. So that's my EO. My AO is these these crazy inflation prices. <laughs> that's like, it's yes. crazy. What is gas over there in Florida? Well, I feel bad even complaining because <laughs> like I know for in Cali, it's like crazier. But crazy. um, right now I fill up with regular, like that's what my car requires. So I'm lucky mm-hmm. there. But if I didn't, I would be doing it now because yeah, but like I would probably have switched, but it's like 489 and then some places are in the 490s. Um, So Mm -hmm. regular is like right under $5. But if you're on the East coast, like that's a lot for us. Like that's like like insane before price. Okay, I'm not saying this to be controversial, but while Trump was president, because that's what I can go back to, and before right, COVID, right. because I think during yes. COVID, when we shut down, like gas was amazing everywhere because it was just like a dollar. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it was ridiculous. Right. But before that, it was regular to be under $3, like okay, $235, um, $240, maybe $228 on a good week. Um, right. So it's like, Double. When it got closer to $3, it was like, oh, fuck. Then it went a little right. over $3, and I was like, oh, it'll never get to 4 Yeah, right. now I'm like, I don't even know where it's going to stop. So the it's inflation prices, I get it. That is – it's crazy. Yes. It's crazy. It's like gas is hitting 7 It hit 8 in LA. Um, it's, it's about 7 right now, like 649 if you get like the, the regular. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's ridiculous how much – inflation the grocery prices have skyrocketed and i'm not talking like 50 cents like i'm talking no. they're, they're making the, the product smaller so you're getting less stuff and then they're adding one two three dollars to your whatever that price was so you're getting right. less and you're paying more um so these it's it's crazy like people that are living paycheck to paycheck i don't know how you're surviving right now because you're mm-hmm. like your last dollar is being spent on whatever it whatever price is being inflated right now. So that is making me not want to drive. <laughs> I'm like right. not, wanting, not wanting to go yes. out to eat. Like we're eating, I'm trying to cook at home just because we need to save our money and just plan, plan ahead. And, and I'm coupon clipping. I've never done that before. I'm looking at the mm-hmm. ads. Like it's, it's really crazy right now. I really hope that something, I don't know what, I don't know what's going on, but I, it's kind of like, duh, this is happening. When the pandemic yeah. hit, I know um, a lot of businesses shut down. We were hand mm-hmm. the government was literally printing money. So when we got all crazy. those stimulus, all that stimulus money, those PPP loans, all that crazy money that went into the um, COVID crisis, I don't think a lot of people understood that we can't just make money. Like we can't just print right. money. Um, money has no value. What has value is the product and service that we provide. So when we just print money, it's going to inflate in the future, like we're the money is not going to be um, as valuable, our purchasing power. So it's just real. It's really ridiculous. Like all around just basic necessities have been inflating. So that's been a major AO. I really hope that um, 
something's got to give. Like some bubble got to pop. Something needs to happen. Right. No, for sure. My AO is actually the same. I was going to talk about the same thing because yeah. I um, when I so now that I'm transitioning, I'm taking the BCBA exam on Tuesday, and God. I'm you know. God willing, I pass it. I'll be a BCBA. Mm-hmm. But the way my company structures it is that obviously until I'm credentialed with insurance, I can't bill as a BCBA. So mm-hmm. I will stay providing like direct services until that point and kind of like shadowing the BCBAs at my clinic. And once I'm credentialed, like I will be able to stay on those cases, bill at my BCBA rate for doing the therapy. But oh, wow. I will like slowly – well, some some insurances let you. Some don't. So like that is a okay. thing to like don't like get excited they and were, go run to yeah. your BCBA and get mad because you're still getting paid as an RBT. It's only certain right. insurances that let you do that. Um, but the two – one of the cases I got assigned to, his insurance allows that. The other one doesn't, but his family mm-hmm. will have to pay a copay to keep me on. But all of that is like something we could talk about at another time. But right. I got this new case and I was like, okay, cool. Cause he's like 20 hours a week. I was like, bet like that's good money. You know, right. like I'm going to get a raise regardless. I'm going to get a raise before I get credentialed anyway, because of my master's and I would have passed right. the exam. So once I pass it, I'll know where my raise is going to be. But, um, we were like looking at his summer camp schedule because that's where I'm going with him. And I have to drive to his summer camp, which mm. I live in Kendall, if you're from Miami. And then his like summer camps in Miami Lakes. It's like 47 minutes away without traffic. And if you live in South without Florida, traffic. you know, like it's going to be an hour for me to get there, which I was right. completely fine with because I worked on the beach with my other school. And that's where I drove. And I get drive time from him to my second client. So I was like, I don't really care. I'll do the drive, right. whatever. But at the summer camp, they're doing like excursions. Like they one on Mondays they go to this bowling alley and then on Tuesday they go to a swim class and on Wednesday they go to the movies, which is like great. But I told my supervisor, I was like, I can't take this case if I can't have drive time to every single location I'm going to because of the gas, like the prices, especially before I'm credentialed. I make $20 an hour as an RBT at my company. Mm-hmm. I obviously will get a raise before I'm credentialed, but I doubt it's going to be anywhere near what I'd be making once I'm credentialed. I can't right. drive around that much. I'm going to be burning my paycheck just yeah. by following this kid around to all of his locations and then having to drive all the way back down here yep. where I live for my next client. Mm-hmm. So I haven't heard back from her. That was on Friday night because mm. like I told her that. And then in the group chat with the parent, she texted her and was like, would you like you know, Ashley to go to each thing with him. Cause then she was like, maybe you only go to the camp. And then, cause the camp is like from nine to 12 and then from 12 to two, they do all this other like special shit. She's like, no, of course I want her to go. So then she didn't respond to either one of us. I have a feeling she probably like messaged my director and is like waiting for a confirmation, but I'm going to confirm with her again today because I'm supposed to start with him tomorrow. It's like, I don't want to go tomorrow. If like, I can't promise that like, I'm going to be with this kid all the time because I can't. So that's like a huge AO. Like it's not make it's taking away from work. It's taking away. It's not making me want to do things. Like I don't want, I'm like, Oh my God, I don't even want to go fill up gas. My car is at a quarter of a tank. It's been like that right. for two days and I don't even want to go do it. Cause I just, it's horrible. Yeah. It's so it's bad. Crazy. I know. I but put you're like right. forty dollars in yesterday, and it was just like a few notches. <laughs> like, yeah, I can barely moved. I'm like, that. it's like, like twenty dollars is like three gallons. It's crazy. 
It's really crazy. It's, it's crazy. And our produce isn't as good here either. I don't know if you have that problem, but like like where I'm from, like produce is abundant all year round. Like that is something right. I'm going to miss when I leave South Florida. Like my boyfriend and I talk about it all the time because you can get fresh fruit, fresh vegetables. People sell it on the side of the road. They have like five limes for 50 cents. They have beautiful watermelons, like all this stuff. But like right. I'm noticing the the quality has gone down tremendously. And it's crazy because a lot of it is sourced from here. So I'm like, I can't imagine living on the other side of the country or like living in the Midwest or living in New York where right. it's kind of coming through us right. here. I wonder why. And what would that be? I don't know. That's I have weird. no idea, but it's just like, I'm like, these onions look busted as fuck. So on top of the <laughs> fact that they're more expensive, I'm like, what? They're like a whole they're not even shit. good. That's so weird. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like our produce has been fine, but I have been switching from like getting organic to like the regular shit because the price oh, yeah. is. <laughs> oh, for I sure. I used to get like organic strawberries and all of like the extras, but no, we're shopping. I'm I'm thrifting. I'm getting the 97 yeah. cent strawberries, so. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, that's the AO. Um, my EO is my test date because that's just been keeping me like very focused. It's, gonna, it's happening. It's happening. Two days. Two more days? Two more days. Oh, my Well, goodness. two because it's like tomorrow and then Tuesday, which I know everybody right. keeps telling me not to study the day before, but I feel like I kind of want to. Just to you. Just a little bit. Like not yeah. anything – but I've been very relaxed in my studying like because I did the collective. There were times where I, I – like I paid for the live one and I'm glad that I did just because of how much stuff comes with it, but I was still working. Right. So there was times that I watched it like the next day. Or I watched two of them two days in a row. And I was fine with that because it just – it came with so much extra stuff that I'm glad that I did the live one Um, because the times I did get to actually be in there, it was beneficial. Like I did like it. Right. But it's like, okay, I've been doing that for two months. And then like the past week, I've been only having my one client for two and a half Mm -hmm. hours a day. So I was really able to like stretch it out where like I would study, I would rewatch a collective, I would redo notes, I would read my notes, I would take a break, I would go back, I would do questions on my phone, like Mm -hmm. practice questions. So I feel, but like the, the fact that I'm not like, I see people on Instagram, like having a stroke, right? Like, should I, I, should I be doing that? Like, I feel so unprepared, because I'm not like, taking 17 mocks and passing all of them and I'm not like but I just can't function that way like that is so like stressful to me so I'm like I'm not like stressing it to that extent but then I feel like I'm not doing enough because I see so I've been trying to stay off Instagram I've been very absent on Instagram the past two weeks so if you follow me that's why but it's because every time I go on there I either see people passing on like their fifth try and I'm like oh that's gonna be me I'm gonna fail or I which like congrats like if it takes five tries it takes five tries whatever but or then I see people like oh I just took my third mock in two days and I passed it and I'm like what the fuck like right yeah (laughs) what are you doing like I don't know I I took four mocks maybe three I didn't take that many I mean yeah I think I think if you feel confident and prepared that's all that matters like the the quantity of how much you're doing I don't think it matters because you've been doing this for years already like we talked about you've been studying since the day you started your grad program right I don't think people look at it that way right like you really have been like doing this 
some people don't go into the class like ready to like retain for the test. Like my when I first started my first course, I was like ready to retain this information because I knew I was taking the BCB exam. A lot of people right. just go into each class and just trying to pass. Like it's just like I want to pass this class. I'm not trying to retain. I don't really give a fuck about this content. I just want to get a good grade. But like that's like the wrong mindset. Like you need to go into no, each for class. Sure thinking I'm going to be taking this test soon. So I actually need to learn the content of what this teacher is saying. Right, exactly. And apply it and think and about ways it. you mm-hmm. apply it. Like mm-hmm. you should, if you're in grad school, you should be, I mean, some people aren't RBT. Some people are teachers, but right. apply what you're learning. I think it's easier yeah. as an RBT to do mm-hmm. it because um, I've been both. So I'm not just mm-hmm. saying that to be an asshole. I'm saying that because I've done both and I know mm-hmm. a thousand percent as an RBT, you apply it way more. Um, so, but like apply what you're learning. Like if you're applying Mm -hmm. what you're learning, I just don't see how you're that lost. There's little, like, I feel like what's hard about it, right. Is like the questions are like, it gives you like four answers that seem good and you have to pick the best one. And then even the best one is not the best. (laughs) Like you're like, there's still, I noticed that with questions about like operational definitions. I'm like, this is a terrible operational definition, but it's better than the other three. (laughs) Like it's it's still shit. And then it's the right answer. So I feel like that's where you trip up, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see if I pass. You'll pass. Well, I know you'll pass. I'm. I don't want to be like giving you too much pressure. Like you're gonna pass this first time. But I'm. I'm really confident in you. I. I really think Thanks. people kind of overhype it to a point where mm-hmm. people just like get in their minds and they fail because of like just just poor test strategy. If you right. know the content and you know how to apply it in different settings and you know how to read a question and like look for those like which one's not the correct answer or which one's the right. best answer and really like looking at the question. I think you'll be fine. Right. I think so. so I, I wouldn't stress. I wouldn't stress on like what other people are doing because I mean, you, you talk ABA like all day, every day. Like, <laughs> I know that's, yeah, that's true. It is true. And as I told you, I'm like, are you sure you want to do two podcasts on Sunday? Like we can totally not <laughs> like, I'm okay. I know, but I you did t- like, I'm so tired of reading. I'm so I know. <laughs> I know. And we're still talking about And then it's ABA, still functional. So. Yeah. Like it's still like applied to like what I'm actually studying. So I feel like exactly. it's it's not just like wasted time, but I am like right. so over the the videos and the notes and the reading and like I'm so over it, but I have to keep doing it. Like I know I do. Right. <laughs> you'll know you'll definitely yeah. know what EO and AO is. So Oh yeah, that's like I have to. If I that's don't, like Mando, I don't yeah. deserve to be in this field. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my god. So for today's controversial statement, I chose the statement that says, some critics believe that ABA relies too heavily on a set of systematic principles. These concepts are sometimes described as unbending and dogmatic. Others say that ABA largely ignores cognitive processes like thoughts, feelings, and problem solving. I love oh, this just reading it pisses me off. <laughs> That's why I picked it though, because I was like so annoyed that people think this. So I, was, like, I love this statement. No, I yeah, love this I statement too. because I used to th- I used to think that um, ABA could save the world. Like I really used to like I that was right. a Skinner, Don't you feel a Skinner that? quote. Yeah, that was a Skinner quote, and I used to believe that, and um, I was like, yeah, for sure, like we could save the world. We can save. Mm-hmm. Um, at-risk youth, we can save obesity, we can save drug addicts, like, we can do it all. 
Um, so I think that the fact that we're we are like open to like there's other things that might be needed in collaboration with. Yes. Now that I'm a, a clinical director, I'm realizing like no, we need collaboration from other professionals and other fields. Hundred percent. Um, what what pissed you off so much about the statement? <laughs> the thing that annoyed me is the last part where it says that most people basically think we don't deal with cognitive processes. Mm-hmm. And it's like literally because of Skinner, we deal with cognitive process. So right. the thing that gets Radical. me mad is that I, I did that too. I feel like when you first become an RBT and you get in grad school, like people are very like, oh my God, ABA is perfect. ABA can save yeah. the world, blah, blah, blah. The mm-hmm. thing is, what I the way I look at it is I feel like we fit everywhere, but we can't do everything alone. Yes. yes I don't think exactly. we can do anything alone, to be honest. Like I, I yeah. And the thing is, when you mm-hmm. like think Absolutely. of Skinner saying that, this was so long ago that this mm-hmm. was so different and so new and such a different way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. And psychiatry itself was probably so – what's the word? Like shut down. Like women were like – crying it was like oh she's manic let's electrocute her like you know what i'm saying so it's like of course he was like wait a minute i have something that could save the world because if we look at it this way we don't have to fucking electrocute people and put them in a like a psych ward but now that doesn't apply i think we Mm -hmm. we need collaboration like you're saying but to for people to the thing that annoys me the most is that we are so expected in the field of applied behavior analysis to learn the way other people in other fields talk learn other things that other people do um abide by things that make other people comfortable and then the minute we come in with our quote-unquote jargon people get pissed off and then we're expected to submit to them and it's not fair yeah so what this quote at the end is saying which annoys me is that others think that we ignore cognitive process it's like Mm -hmm. why do you think that you clearly did not do adequate research Mm-hmm. And si- and then you just said that about us and it's fucked up because it's not true because that's literally yeah. radical behaviorism. That's literally everything that we do is take in private events, thoughts, feelings, emotion. Now, I will never mm-hmm. assume someone's private event. I don't think anyone should. I don't give a fuck if you mm-hmm. are a psychiatrist. I don't think you should ever assume someone's crying because they're sad because mm-hmm. that's that can't be true. But what verbal operant can they use to communicate with you functionally that they are upset or they're angry or they're happy or they're stressed or they're overwhelmed or they're having anxiety. It doesn't have to just be a verbal or a vocal, sorry, a vocal communication. Verbal communication Mm -hmm. in ABA can be sign language. It can be written. Mm -hmm. It can be body language, a tantrum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just, that's what annoyed me the most is that it's just, it always comes back to that where I feel like other fields assume things about us, are able to say mm-hmm. these statements and like get away with it. But the minute if I came on here and said, well, I don't think speech language pathology is ethical because they don't use r- research on most of their interventions, right. I would be a dick. <laughs> it's like, right. okay. And I wouldn't even yeah. say that with like, actually, I'm saying that as an example. I'm not saying that because I think it. I don't, I don't, but right, like right. I wouldn't be able to get away with that. But someone who's a speech pathologist can say that we're abusive and no right. one cares. And it just pisses me off. Well, so that's why I picked in. this. Yeah, they get like yeah. social reinforcement. It's like you don't even know who the fuck I am. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I think there's a there's like a push to like understanding more of our um 
our covert behaviors because it is true right. that we mostly do figure um focus on like overt, overt. behaviors right. yeah so that, i mean that's pretty much what we do as in, in aba is we focus on what the behavior that we see what's measurable um so we are like with with acceptance and commitment therapy, which I'm starting to really understand and learn more. Right. Um, right. We are going to like, pushing like, okay, what, how are we thinking about things? How are we processing things? What is our perspective on things? Which is way different right. than how I was uh, like first introduced in grad school, which is all like just with the behaviors that you see. So I can see how people can, um, judge as quickly on us right. just being either too simple or it's it's not really it's not as complex like the like the human is more complex than what ABA can offer and I think that's valid because we are right. more complex than what ABA can offer but we are just one tool to many other tools that we can use to fix to fix different problems because um, right. there's there's things that we do like behaviorally that are just instinctual. It's evolution. Like that's not ABA. Yeah. Like how did like how did we learn? Like just like ha- certain things that make me feel good. Like being outside. Like I mean, obviously automatic sensory. We can explain it behaviorally, but that's also also instinctual. Like evolutionary. I my ancestors saw water. They saw green, and they knew that right. there was life, and there, there's food, and they can hunt and gather there. So like just instinctually, like that is something that I like to be around. So I think there's other right. ways that we can we can describe the same thing happening, but just in different from a different perspective, different field. So I, I right. can see why people have this thought about ABA. And I think there is a push to um, really understand the other thought processes of people and how that affects human behavior. And, and we're right. definitely going to get into more of that with this episode. Oh, for sure. Definitely. For sure. So today's episode, we're doing drug addiction and treatment. I'm like really excited to do this one just because mm-hmm. one, we've been exposed to this. Yeah, um, for And sure. I feel like we could also add in like alcoholism can be part of this as oh, well, yeah. not just drugs, but yeah. um, substance Definitely. abuse, not because mm-hmm. I feel like if we're talking about addiction of food and porn and all that, that would be like different, similar, yeah. but different. Similar. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm just excited to talk about it. <laughs> yes, I know. I honestly like I had so many like ideas and how to use ABA. Like when I tell you I love ABA, like I love ABA because I really think yeah. it can it can be used in so many different areas. And drug addiction was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked about my nephew before. And when I was introduced to ABA, I'm like, this is something that could help him like get off the drugs. I mean, I don't right. know exactly what the plan would look like, but I think ABA therapy, early intervention intervention for him clearly would have worked better, like preventative ABA intervention, right, right. Um, like focusing on the behaviors of why he wants to escape his reality. Like obviously right. that would have been way easy, like way more um, effective, but when you're already on drugs, it's it's really tough to get off the drugs because you're already in that pattern of behavior. Um, you already felt that reinforcement. It's like that the matching long, you know, like I can do mm-hmm. this hard work and try to get clean, go to rehab, change my behaviors, or I can just keep getting high and that's it. Like that's my life. That's fine. I'll just be right. homeless. I'll just be on drugs. Like whatever. So – 
And my your reinforcer too, which I think is yeah. like mm-hmm. is the first thing I thought of was preference assessment. Like as soon as right. when I was like thinking about That's this, true. I was like, it's forced choice at first. It's like, do you want to try this or not? Yes or no? And you say mm-hmm. yes. And then mm-hmm. most times you dabble in different things. So you're mm-hmm. like doing a multiple stimulus either with or without replacement. So they were like, okay, mm-hmm. I started smoking weed. Then I tried to do pills. Then I went back to weed. Then I started doing I don't know, something else, maybe a muscle relaxer. Right. Then I went to heroin. And then like you just dabble around until you find mm-hmm. like exactly what you want. So I right. feel like by doing that, it's like you've reached the highest reinforcer out of whatever you picked it from. So right. now you're like, you're not only reaching reinforcement, but you're like reaching your highest preferred reinforcement and with right. like little response effort. Mm-hmm. So that goes back yeah. to the matching law. Of, like, why would I give up my favorite thing ever to like mm-hmm. do all this hard shit. No, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's instant gratification. And that's what the problem is with a lot of the things in our world is like we oh, choose yeah. instant gratification over like the long run, like 99% of the time. Right. And I think the route to um, drug addiction is different, obviously, for a lot of people have take different paths. Yeah. But I think from my own experience, um, so b- both of my parents had problems with um, with drug addiction. Many of my um, route, like uncles, aunts, drugs, alcohol, and then this just kind of the pattern went down. My two older sisters, my two older sisters, um, both addicts. My brother addict, and then their kids. My um, oldest sister, her son, my nephew addict, and cousins. It's just like it just stemmed from like one generation of just fuck ups and then the next generation and the next generation. So we're like three generations in of addicts. Um, And it's just, I think modeled behavior clearly, like being around it. I think you have two choices. Either I'm going to be like them and I'm going to, but here's the thing. And this is something that like, it's not like I'm not proud to say this or whatever, but it's just my own experience. Like I've tried many different drugs and I think it's obviously because I was exposed to it at a young age. Like I was, I was around it. So that kind of desensitizes me. And then obviously having a fucked up childhood, you, you're kind of easily peer pressured into things. You want to, you want to party a little bit because your life fucking sucks. So, I mean, I was 16 years old, ecstasy, uh, I was introduced to weed at 13. I was drinking right. super young. Um, I've done so many different drugs, cocaine, um, you know, the ones that not even you want to admit, like meth, like all, like I've tried, I've tried it all. Luckily, I've never been addicted to drugs. It was mostly like my friends are doing it. I want to party with them. And it never got to a point where I was an addict. Luckily, thank God, I don't know why, especially as my my whole family has this history of becoming addicts. I don't know like what that reason is. And we can probably talk about it like, you know, why my path is different. But I have this this friend. So when I graduated high school, me and my group of friends, we all tried uh, cocaine together. It was our first time. My one of get ready, guys. Let's just get, let's in get a group. ready. We just graduated. Yeah, we just, I just pictured you in like a circle with like all these kids. Oh, it was a circle. Yes, we did. We, it was definitely that. That's and great. we all tried cocaine together. And one of the girls, actually, two of the girls, or there was four of us, became addicts like hardcore. Oh, we went, they went from cocaine, popping pills to like 
doing meth, like twisting the pipe straight up, hitting meth. And right. it went down. Like my one of the girls I'm thinking about right now, she is still dealing with that addiction. Damn. And I just find it so fucking crazy that I was like the first one with her to start like a like a hardcore right. drug with her. And my path is so much different. Like clearly I don't right. do drugs now. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, clearly I'm not like, you know, snorting lions at almost 30 years old like obviously I left that that's like a, a past life of mine but right. the fact that I was starting this with her and her path was so different that she ended up becoming an addict dealing with this addiction for years and years I mean right. this was 12 years ago and she's still dealing with that that's and so I just sad, find yeah. that so fucking crazy because some people just find that drug and that's all they want and that's kind of what you hear when you guys when you don't know if you remember like the dare the little dog came in they're like your first no, hit yeah. you're gonna be an addict. Some that's people what made like me that. not do drugs. Like I'm serious, dare scared the fucking shit. I'm, that's me. I'm like I get scared. That's why I've never <laughs> smoked a cigarette because in health class they showed us pictures of mouth cancer when I was in like fourth grade, mm-hmm. and I was like crying, like going home crying. I was like I'm gonna die. That's, I don't even smoke cigarettes. Like right. yeah, things scared me, but it worked. It I worked. Was terrified. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it's so crazy because my husband, he has a very similar upbringing as me. He's never touched her drug, which I'm fucking like, what? It's so crazy to me because. Yeah, me either. Yeah, you too. So it's like some people say like, no, I don't want to be like my parents. I will never, I will never do this. Mm-hmm. I will never do that. And then there's some of us who are a little more like, I'll try I'll it. I'll try like, it. Yeah, let's party. And like just having that mentality, which clearly comes from lack of, um, lack of guidance um, you know, lack of parental, any parents telling me what to do or like having a, a good role model and then clearly wanting to escape. So I think that was right. my big MO when I was, you know, dabbling partying was because I just want to escape. I want to fit in. Um, I was just thinking that group. like you want to yeah. fit in. Yeah. I want to like fit it's in. socially I significant. My, yes, exactly. I wanted to find my friends and all my friends were doing it. So I like, why would I be the only one not doing it? So peer pressure was a big play. Um, so I guess we can talk like the functions of why people start drugs or start using drugs. I definitely think escape is a big one mm-hmm. for, sure. for sure. I think sure. – and then I think what happens is it becomes like a multifunction behavior. So like mm-hmm. I think it can start with escape or tension because sometimes yep. it might be. And then mm-hmm. um, it turns into automatic obviously because you're getting an automatic mm-hmm. reinforcer, which I like wrote down some things that it like does to the brain – and like some drugs mess with dopamine levels, some mess with serotonin. Um, and then there's like other things that I honestly had no idea, like neurophenephrine levels. I don't even know what the fuck that is, but it's like adrenaline or adrenaline hormone. Norepinephrine. Yeah. So your adrenaline and then there's mm-hmm. one that's like acts as a tranquilizer. So now like your stress response. So like all these things are happening and that's automatic. Mm-hmm. Like in behavior, mm-hmm. like that is shit that like, it's just it's going to happen. So now you're like mm-hmm. fucking with your your brain chemistry. Yep. So you're going to like naturally crave it more mm-hmm. than you did yep. before. Like you probably didn't at all. So now it's yep. like, okay, I was trying to escape, but now I have this automatic function also. So now and we mm-hmm. already know when you have behaviors that are multifunctional, those are harder to put on extinction. Yep. And then yep, I exactly. feel like then it might 
have been escaped and then it's also attention because now your friends are doing mm-hmm. it and you're trying to fit in but you're trying to escape your shitty home life or whatever the fuck it mm-hmm. is so now there's like three functions mm-hmm. and then like access it turns into access because then you start doing shit that you'd never think you fucking did to be able to get these drugs you're stealing from your family you're stealing right. money from work yep. you're Maybe you get mm-hmm. to the point where you're fucking hooking on the street. You're doing shit yep. that you never would have done before. So now all four f- of our basic functions are feeding this one behavior. Mm-hmm. And at that, that's why I feel like you were saying earlier, early intervention yeah. would be the best way to go. Because if we get in go. there during those precursors of like, okay, um, maybe you found weed in your son's room. You haven't right. you noticed he's being a little bit quiet lately. Exactly. Jump in. Be as mm-hmm. you think you're being aggressive. Do it. Do right. it. Be proactive. Because that is when you want to do it. Not when mm-hmm. now your son is stealing cash out of your wallet, not coming home, has weird ass friends, dropped out of high school and is like huffing in your bathroom. Like you don't want to do that. So um, I just I think it could be every function, which is what's scary. It turns into yeah. all four. And that it, is it like is the crazy. hardest. And you know what's crazy? I I, I was took this drug class in um, undergrad, and um, they said that from early on, we've always chased this sense of altered reality. Like if you see kids that spin, oh, yeah, I would spin, 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 just to get that dizzy feeling. Um, like that is something. I don't know if it's like just human. Um, another thing that I've heard, like monkeys that live next to resorts they tend to have the same alcohol rate within the monkey community. Like alcoholics will happen because they go steal like the leftover drinks and they'll go seek it. And like there's other monkeys that discriminate and they don't choose the alcoholic drinks. Instead, they'll get the juices and sodas. So, I mean, I don't know if it's just like our human nature to want to seek this altered reality. There's like no – is it lemurs that get high off of like a fruit? Like there's other examples – yeah, there's other examples that are outside of the are humans that seek this altered reality. So there's something about it that drives us, even though it's going to, we're going to lose everything. We're going to lose our family, lose our, our possessions, lose our jobs, because um, that's just the route. If you keep going down that route, it's not, it's never good. So it's crazy right. that we have this problem of people that are using drugs and at the end of the day, it's like the worst choice that they can make because it's it's never going to end good. Um, but like you said, that automatic function is hard. I remember when I used to do ecstasy, I remember the feeling of coming down was super depressing. Like you go from a – Right. Oh, yeah. You go from this high where you're, you're like on top of the world. Like you feel so good. Like when I hear rave music, I can get like some of that feeling back because like it's – I heard it. Yeah, I paired it right. so much like techno rave music with ecstasy. And I remember like when you come down from it, it's a, the most depressing feeling. So I can see how that's just that that EO to go do it again to get that. Right. So you're always chasing this feeling of that the dopamine, the serotonin. And that's that's so hard because when you're off the drug, it's like such a low that you'll do anything to get back to that high. And you'll you'll never get to that high again you're just always chasing chasing the dragon so so crazy yeah it's crazy and um I feel like with me like I was able to kind of leave that life behind me because I found a career I I got my like I got my motivators in a more productive way the gym 
being yeah. being healthy, obviously, I can't be on drugs and be like a fitness advocate. Like the, obviously those yeah. don't make sense. So I chose working out. I chose working. I chose education because I also got my same reinforcement from those other outlets. So mm-hmm. if we can get in there with ABA intervention, I think that's something like when my nephew lived with me, I would make him go to the gym with me because I'm like, this is going to help you. Like you're going to get right. those dopamine levels. You're going to feel high when you're working out because it feels good. Um, obviously, it didn't work. Like he still – he did it with me for a little bit. We went to the gym together, but it it was – he wasn't good enough. It wasn't as, you know, satisfying as his drugs. So – but I really think finding another outlet is is going to help for sure. Yeah, like replacement behaviors for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm even thinking like DRA, so differential reinforcement of alternative. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's mm-hmm. hard is, and I, I talked about this on my Instagram a few like uh, earlier in the week um, where I was like trying to shape my running behavior. And mm-hmm. I was like the, the reinforcer was completing the task. And it's like as adults, like we're not always going to get the tokens. We're not always going to get mm-hmm. the edibles. We're not always going to get money. We're not always – it's exactly. like you need to have discipline and self-monitoring skills to be able to okay. functionally realize that the reinforcer is completion. So right. it's like if the reinforcer of doing the drugs is like the chain – the brain chemistry changing it's automatic and then you can't find something that is as reinforcing as that it's so hard to like replace that behavior but then it's like is that where we come in with more like act and more like self-monitoring and self-discipline skills of like okay well we need to accept that we're not going to feel that good but we need to commit to doing this because this is better for you and you're not going to fucking die right i I think what they need um, most drug addicts because my experience is they need a lot of um, dealing with their childhood trauma. Uh, there's yeah. such a high correlation with having a fucked up childhood and becoming like a drug addict later in life. Right, so I think right. whatever, because I know my nephew had a fucked up life. Like I, right. I know, I know exactly what his life was because I was there every step of the way. So I know his life was fucked up. Like his my mom was basically like his mom because his my sister his mom is a drug addict and she never really took care of him so when my mom died he lost his mom and he went with his dad and his dad wasn't the best dad and his life was really fucked up like he was on he was on his own from like five years old right so what the fuck was he supposed to do yeah he had no chance there he i feel like he almost had no chance right but you can say that about you and i like oh they have no chance so right. it's but why what is the difference here like I think the difference is that I was able to find other outlets like regardless of me you know being a party girl trying this and that I always knew I was smart that was always something that was yeah. been told to me since I was young like you're smart I was always in like the special classes where I you know right. whatever like whatever groups they told me oh you're you're here cuz you're smart so that's something that been told to me as a young girl so I always had that in my back pocket so my education and pursuing that was always a big motivator because I was believed that I'm smart and I can do these mm-hmm. things I don't think my nephew ever had anybody tell him that like right. oh you you not have even a teacher here. no because he's I mean at five years old he was hated fucking school I remember right. like he would cry like he never he never enjoyed school he was getting suspended in elementary school. Like all of those behaviors that he had in elementary school, fighting, bringing a knife, he did those things in elementary school. 
I wish someone had intervened and helped right. him out right there. Because he, no, he, sure. he could have been a totally different outcome right now if they if someone were stepped in when he was when he was younger when he you yeah. know when they could tell him like hey you you have these different you have charisma you have a great personality like you don't need to go down these routes um right. so i really think early intervention it's i know the um the like um what's it called when you relapse the relapse rate for drug addicts is really high so i know Do you people think that me. Like, cause I feel like from, I I used to love watching like Dr. Drew's celebrity rehab. Like I was obsessed with that show. And I like, I feel like, I mean, obviously it is reality TV, Yes. but what I noticed is unless you do heroin, it's like straight up extinction. Like we're cutting it out. You're fucking detoxing and Mm -hmm. that's it. And the only reason with heroin, I I think, cause you can like literally have a heart attack from like the withdrawal. So they use meth. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, um the morphine patches to like withdraw you or whatever. But to me, I'm like, is that the best way to go about that? Or right. should we fade it out? Should we start with like, like lessening it? And I've heard of this new thing. I didn't look it up too much, but this thing called mm-hmm. California clean where like you still smoke weed, but like you're not on like heroin anymore. or You're not like huffing anymore, but like you smoke weed. And okay. I'm like, California I wonder, like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw um fucking Aaron Carter talking about it. I saw a clip Aaron of Carter, him oh talking God. about it to Steve-O on Steve-O's podcast. Because he was like, oh, how long have you been clean? He's like, oh, I've been California clean for like however long. I was like, what the fuck is that? And then Steve-O was like, oh, so you still smoke weed? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? That's so I've never funny. Heard of that. That's but hilarious. it's like, I feel like before, like years, not even that long ago, maybe we could even go back five years. It was like, okay, you don't want to be an addict anymore. Like you can't do anything at all. But now like marijuana, especially medical marijuana, is so socially accepted. Yeah, There's so many benefits to it. So like would Mm -hmm. fading it out and giving a replacement treatment of medication and then eventually Mm -hmm. fading that out altogether? I think would that be better? I don't know. Yeah, I think it depends on the person. Um, like I know my like my <laughs> yeah, nephew, that's true. Um, the, the subox suboxidone or the methadone, the methadone clinic that he would go to. Like I said, it was not it was bad. It was it made the it made it worse because he was just around other addicts. Um, mm-hmm. So he moved over here to Long Beach with me, and he just met his little group at the methadone clinic, and it was just like they went and got into some shit together. So I think that right. was not a good environment. Um, but I don't think the methadone really did anything. It was just another high for him. And then he got his other high after. Like he got a free high, his right, pre-high, right. and then he went went and got more high after. So I don't know. But for him, would cold turkey work? I don't know because I know he tried that too. And um, it, it like they describe the, the pain and the withdrawals of not being I on know. that drug anymore is fucking intense. Um, so I think it just depends on the person because – yeah, smoking smoking marijuana. I think you can totally be functional. Like you can totally hold right. on to a job. It's like and, drinking, like, like regularly, drinking, yeah. glass yeah, of wine that, or whatever. Exactly. It's it's just depends on the person. Some people they get maybe they get high and then they want to do they want to do their drug because they have this altered state and it's not good enough. It's like being a little bit caffeinated. You want more caffeine, um, right? Which is, you know, caffeine's actually a drug too. A lot of people don't understand it's the it's right. the most uh, accept socially acceptable drug, but it is a drug um, that we use every day. I'm drinking it right now, but yeah, I'm clearly I'm not that. gonna fucking <laughs> I'm not gonna lose my job and 
you know, right. go sell my body for caffeine. So it's a totally different type of drug. But yeah. I think they I do they label it as a drug because you do so okay. I drink black coffee. I've I've drank that for a very long time. Um, or mm-hmm. if I drink a latte, I just put like a little bit of like almond milk or something in it, obviously, because I'm plant based. Mm-hmm. But um I don't ever get headaches from not drinking coffee. And I don't – my sister used to drink coffee with sugar and she doesn't anymore because this happened Mm -hmm. where she she cut it out. And even though she was still drinking coffee, the sugar wasn't in there and that was Mm -hmm. giving her headaches. So – but I'm – what I mean is like our bodies become dependent on it. So like is that why it's labeled a drug? Because obviously I'm not gonna like be out here like sucking dick for money to get some coffee grinds. Like it's right. really fine. It's but not then, that big of a deal. No, like I'm like I might be right. a little bit sluggish, but like I can make it through the day. Like I'm not exactly. out here. But I also don't I don't deal with sweating, headaches, irritability. I don't right. get that when I don't drink coffee. And that might just be me. That might not be the sugar. Maybe some people just react to caffeine differently. Tolerance. Mm-hmm. But for me, like I do feel a little foggy. Like my like I definitely focus better once I've had my coffee, but like mm-hmm. I can function. Like I'm not gonna be a fucking cunt and like ruin my day right. because I didn't have right. a cup of coffee. Whereas exactly. like if you don't snort your cocaine, I'm sure you're like itching your body like, and showing yes. like some overt behaviors of like you need your drugs like now right. or th- we're not doing anything else. That's so it's like, why do they label about, it a drug? I don't get well, it's it. It's a drug because because of the way the chemistry of how caffeine oh, reacts okay. in our body. Um, Got it. But that's the thing about drugs in general and the different var- like the variants of people. Because w- with cocaine, when I was when I used to do cocaine, I never really had that like itch. Like I need to do it. It was more right, so right. social party. We're we're partying. We're drinking. Someone pulls it out. I'm doing it with them. So even for me, with a hard drug like that. I was never like itching and feeding for it. That's just right. the weird the variances of us. We're all different people. I don't understand it either. Like why for some people, like they turn into that crazy fiend, like that friend I was telling yeah. you about where her whole life spiraled out of control from that same, we started together. We did it same time together exactly. and her whole life spiraled. Um, but why it's just for some people, I think the tolerance of it, um, I really think it has to do with your environment where, whereas for me at 18, um, I already had, I, I pretty much was on my own at 16 years old. So by 18, I had my own apartment. Like I had to get up and go to work. I had two jobs. I was in community college. Like I had these other environments that I had to go do because I had to pay my rent. I had to pay my bills. I I just that no, was right. enough for me to keep my head on straight and then go have fun on the weekends. So it was it's a different for other every people is different, which it's I don't understand if it's environmental or is it is it like chemistry, brain chemistry where other people are just more um, susceptible to becoming an addict and other people are just like they do it occasionally or they do it because socially. Right, but I, I have too. I have stories of people that were social and it ends up, you know, down the line, it gets worse. So I right. just think it's, you know, that's humans are so complex. Um, it's hard to understand like why, because there's this, um, there's this doctor, I don't can't think of his name right now, but he is a, like a Harvard professor and he uses heroin regularly. And what he the has, fuck? <laughs> yeah, and he has this whole perspective on drugs that I've never heard before. He thinks that drugs should be um, 
legalized or decriminalized so people have the choice to use it and he thinks that pe- that some people um that most people can use drugs without getting addicted and the reason why people become addicted is because of their trauma and because of they want to escape but if mm. you just do drugs for the good feelings um it's a different like a different function and maybe why some people become addicts and some don't is because of the function of why they're doing it does he use it for like the hallucinogen properties because i've um i know my my boyfriend's told me i haven't like looked it up myself but some people do like i might be saying this wrong but shrooms or yes but it's for like Mm -hmm. anxiety depression trauma Mm -hmm. therapy um Mm -hmm. and there's like success in that and i i think Mm -hmm. if you're doing that correctly you're not using like some laced weird shit and you're not just like with your friends like oh yeah cool Mm -hmm. whatever like obviously this guy's a doctor like i doubt he's like shooting up enough to like od he's probably like fine he's probably not even he's passing out and throwing up right microdosing Mm -hmm. so it's like I think that could be true for some people. Like, why would that not work? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just society looks at it so negatively. And I'm one of those people. Like, I used to be, mm-hmm. like, so anti-everything um, mm-hmm. that it would, like, disgust me. It makes me uncomfortable. Even sometimes being around drunk people, depending on how their behavior is towards me, like, right. I shut down. And that's not me. I'm very, like, I'm not shy. I say what I mean. Right. I'm I will literally like it's like selective mutism because I just am like mm-hmm. I don't even want to look in your direction I don't want to talk I just want to like, right. get out and I go into fight or flight and I was even like that for a while with even just like marijuana and it's mm-hmm. like like so stupid because like I remember my boyfriend got like a medical marijuana card he doesn't have it anymore mm-hmm. but he did when he got out of the military um uh-huh. and like rightfully so he had a lot of injuries he was in a lot of pain right. like whatever he has anxiety so like mm-hmm. And it was great. He liked it. But like at first I was I felt so bad because I was like so um, like anti. Yes. And I felt like I was probably judgmental. And now I don't feel that Mm -hmm. way anymore because I got like desensitized. And now he doesn't even use it. So it doesn't matter when he was using it. I was a bitch. And now I'm not. But (laughs) I was just so and I could see society doing that with like microdosing of being like, oh, Mm -hmm. but we've been told that this is bad for you for 100 years. So like, why would we do it now? And it's like, but if it's done correctly, it's not bad. But like most yeah. people can't do that or most people don't people do it correctly. Can't. They yep. say they're microdosing, but they're not. Are you actually? Right. Probably not. So that's yeah, crazy. I really think, heroin. I, really, I never heard that. Yeah. Yeah. I got to think of his name, but he, he talks about it regularly. He goes on podcasts. He has a book and he researches it. And his that's whole crazy. philosophy is like <laughs> it's not the drugs, not the problem. It's the person who's using it. And the reason why yeah. they're using it is the problem, which I kind of agree with because if right. you have this this function of escape, like you want to always escape your life, you're going to go to the drugs. So I really do think because I mean, I have my own experience of it and I, I never be, was like a fiend for it. It was just like right. convenience, fun, social. And it was like, you know, I was able to unpair and pair that with something else in my life and have different right. outlets. So I really think it just depends on the reason why you're using the drug and that's going to be a big play on your recovery because you need to find the reason why you want to escape and kind of fix those issues that's going on your private events you need to fix those private events and deal with your trauma and I think that is what's going to really be successful because I know like the um the 12-step program does a lot of like inner work trauma Um, forgive um, like asking for forgiveness from these other people admitting all your mistakes and really getting into like 
your past life and why you are at this point right now as an addict in rehab. So I right. think and I that. I think that means that that shows exactly what we were saying kind of at the beginning that like I think ABA it would be extremely <laughs> useful here but not alone. Mm-hmm. I think we would not have alone. to work alongside psych alongside psychiatrists and I say psychiatrists mm-hmm. only because they are medical doctors as well right. as psychologists and like at that point there's probably medications and things right. that happen within our anatomy that like they just have knowledge on that a a clinical psychologist who's not a medical professional doesn't have mm-hmm. so i would assume i mean maybe them too like it could be a team but i would say psychiatric professionals are obviously mm-hmm. needed alongside mm-hmm. us if we did work with this but yeah um, for sure we like, can do it we could help I like, think I we really think we could help. help. I definitely think we could help. I think if we 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 could help more if we get in there early, though. I think that right. would, no, yeah, that's gonna be where, like if we can help the at risk youth and deal with their with their at home life and um, mm-hmm. identifying other behaviors, more socially appropriate behaviors to get that access or attention or the escape. I right. think that is going to tremendously make an impact on um, the drug use that we're dealing with because once they're they're on it, it's really hard to kind of reverse it, but being proactive and being preventative. Also, before we wrap it up, I wanted to say that a lot of the drugs that we prescribe um, in our, you know, big pharma, they have the same exact um, chemical makeup as like meth, like Ritalin. Adderall? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Ritalin is literally meth in a pill form it literally the same chemistry and we're giving it to same. children like children, eight-year-olds yes, that have adhd yes. yeah so i Excuse think that me? is something too that we need to understand like this these street drugs are actually in you know our pharmacies that we're giving to our kids or as taken as adults so that is some type of um i think a lot of people self-medicate because of they have like this, this yeah. chemistry imbalance or um like you know, like if you're dealing with ADHD, maybe you're smoking a lot of weed because you're dealing with those with those issues or and then you're taking Adderall and you're doing meth and marijuana at the same time. Like that's a <laughs> disaster. Like literally, though, that's literally what mm-hmm. that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of issues. I know people uh, have their stories of becoming addicted from after being in like a big accident and being prescribed like a muscle relaxer. And from there, they yes. go on and have their own addictions because of that feeling. So um, it's it's crazy that these street drugs are also being uh, prescribed by doctors. So that's another right. whole other thing that you know another issue in our in our um, society is that we are quick to give out drugs when something goes wrong. So now we're going to do our task analysis breakdown. We chose from the section G, behavior change procedures, specifically G2, use interventions based on motivating operations and discriminative discriminative stimuli. Sorry, I couldn't say that word. So I'm going to read the um, question and then you guys will have a chance to answer it yourselves and we'll go over what the answer is. So Anna is a recovering addict who's been clean for five months. When she was walking home from work, she saw a well-known drug dealer standing on the corner of the street that she lives on. Anna stopped walking and sit, sits on a nearby bus stop bench to avoid passing the drug dealer and waits to see if he'll leave. About 30 minutes later, a cop car happens to pass by this area. Once the drug dealer looks at the cop car, he begins walking away and leaves the corner of Anna's street. 
Anna takes this opportunity to hurry home quickly. In this scenario, the drug dealer Anna sees is most likely functioning as a what? So the answer is an AO, abolishing operation, literally what we do every episode. So the drug dealer (laughs) was an abolishing operation for Anna because he stopped her from being able to go home. So he was not letting her go down that street. Okay, wait, I'm I have to read this like a lot of words. It's like really wordy. I I actually I'm not gonna lie, I stole this question, but I like changed the like I had this question on a test prep and then I like changed it to like a drug dealer situation. So Okay, I was thinking C M O R. About thirty minutes later, a cop car happens to pass by Mm -hmm. the area. Once the drug dealer looks at the cop car, oh okay, he begins walking away and leaves the corner of Anna Street. And and okay, I understand now. I was like, wait. Anna's I see why you thought drug- that. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's a, a, a worsening condition because the cop car is going to, like, bust him. But I think I just read the – it's still early, guys. No, <laughs> I, I probably would have thought that if that was an option. But the answer right. options were literally E-O-A-O, negative punishment, negative reinforcer. Okay. But Those were the was, options. If, but if CMOR was there, I probably would have fucking thought that because – Right? That's the yeah. thing, too, about the test because – it's always like, what's the best answer? But I think maybe even a better answer might be a CMOR because conditioning motivation right. operation is an AO. Right. But it's and just then, a specific type of AO would be like a worsening condition. Right. And with a CMOR, that's reflexive. So we know that it's indicating like like punishment, pain, like something's not good. Something's, like, so we yeah, don't want to go that good. way. <laughs> yep, exactly. Okay, well, that wraps it up. Thanks for listening. Um, Please subscribe to wherever you're listening now. Please leave us a review if you're on Apple Podcasts. Um, You can find us at ABA on a pod. And if you have any uh, topic ideas for us, let us know in our DMs. You can also email us at ABA on a pod at Gmail. And then you can find my personal Instagram at Objective Outcomes. And you can find me at Behavior with Ash. And thanks for listening. Thanks, guys.